Adopting an older child is not an easy decision. My name is Esther. And why aren't you down at the party? I've never really seen the point of it. I guess I'm different. Hello and welcome back to Scream 101. I'm Brennan. And I'm Sergio. And this is the second week of our anniversary month. Woo! We'll be revisiting what we have been told is the best Dark Castle horror movie. Kind of as an addendum. Who told us this? Matt did. Okay, I'm inclined to agree with Matt then. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll get to it. Okay. And that's saying something because you really were into the other ones because they were important to you. No, I like them more. Like... Come tomorrow, I will have forgotten that I saw this movie, but I will always remember that I saw 13 Ghosts. Okay, you're right. And that's uh, just the kind of, you know, soft spot in my heart that cinema holds. Yes. Anyway, we watched 2009's <laughs> Orphan, which is a late entry in the Dark Castle canon because they did not make very many movies after this. Even though I don't know how uh, financially successful it was, but I remember people talking about it when it came out. I don't know people who talked about this at all. Okay. Anyway, but first, <laughs> first our 10-word reviews. Not to be rude. That's okay. You just didn't have cool friends like me. I didn't. I didn't know what else to say to that. I just felt like I needed to say something, and that kept the conversation going. I'm really glad you did. In okay. A way. Let's start. 10-word reviews, Yes. Brandon. So let's start with Baby Driver. You can start us off. Okay. Cheers. Um, My 10-word review of Baby Driver is Ansel Elgort is the true boss baby. <laughs> all right. No one puts baby in anything other than this year's best. <laughs> we both made great movie puns. I love it. Okay. Um, playing it cool. Somehow, even more cliche, while trying to mock rom-coms. All right. Um, my review for playing it cool is a mixed bag of fun and weird. That is cool. Okay. Um, that's a Chris <laughs> Evans, Michelle Monaghan. The pun on that one wasn't that good. Eh, whatever. And definitely maybe... Ryan Reynolds is morally bankrupt. He must be impeached. Okay. Um, definitely, maybe. How I Met a Pretty Fun Ryan Reynolds Ripoff. Uh-huh. You like the alliteration at the end there? Ryan Reynolds Ripoff. That's pretty good. Thank you. I liked it. I just could not get past some just truly immoral, horrible behavior he does in the third act. Oh. Want to get into it? Because we can review that here. While I'll say it really it. quick. This is our Definitely Maybe Recap Podcast. Welcome back. <laughs> this week, Brennan's still mad about. Um, I'll just say it really fast because it's not important. Um, spoilers for Definitely Maybe, but like, who could possibly care? Um, Isla Fisher, her dead dad, gave her a copy of Jane Eyre for her 13th birthday right before he went to be dead. And he... <laughs> <laughs> he had written like right before he <laughs> choked. Yeah, um, the Grim Reaper. Mm -hmm. So he had written an inscription in it, which frankly wasn't that interesting because it was just a quote from the book. Yep, it wasn't even personalized, but it meant a lot to her because it was from her dead dad, and she lost the book. So every time she went to a like a used bookstore, she looked for that copy. Ryan Reynolds found that copy, was going to give it to her, but he found out that she was living with someone and she didn't tell him. So he left without giving it to her and didn't give her that book for 11 years. Look, I don't In care. In his defense. There is no defense yes, for there this is. man. Yes, it, he came up with the best possible one that allowed him to keep the girl. In the end, more spoilers. Uh, he could have kept her for was, over a decade. It was the only thing that he had of her. Uh, he doesn't have any pictures. 
You need he something doesn't have tan- a lock of her hair. You need something, you know, tangible. Who carries locks of hair with them? It's Isla Fisher. I'm sure she hands them out like candy. Her hair is so beautiful. Anyway, I just think that whether or not, like, she had no obligation to tell him that she was dating someone because they weren't together. They right. weren't romantic. They were just friends. Mm-hmm. And also, he it was his moral prerogative to give her that book. That's from her dead dad. That's not his his to keep. Okay. I hate him it up so eventually. much. He gave it up eventually. 11 years. And she forgave him. She, well, she was written to do that. And now she has a stepmom. And or, sorry, now she's she has a stepdaughter. Speaking of stepdaughters, orphan. <laughs> yes, that's a perfect segue. Yes. Here's the plot. Tragedy seems to follow nine-year-old Esther. She was orphaned in her native Russia. Her last adoptive family perished in a fire Esther barely escaped. But now Why the are you co- saying her name like that? Esther? Yeah. How are you supposed to say it? Oh, just Esther. Okay, sorry. There's an H in it. <laughs> like um, in Ola, it is silent. Okay. Until a classmate takes a serious fall from a slide. Wait, sorry. <laughs> but now the Coleman family has adopted her and life is good. Until a classmate <laughs> takes a serious fall from a slide. Until an orphanage nun is battered to death. And until Esther's new mom wonders if that tragic fire was an accident. Orphan brings stunning new twists to the psychological thriller and locks audiences in a tightening vise of mystery, suspicion, and terror. You'll never forget Esther. So sweet, so intelligent, so creative, so disturbed. Um, fun. Just going off of that review on the back, though, <laughs> like it really makes the family look like idiots. It's like not until a nun is mysteriously <laughs> bludgeoned to death. Yeah, they didn't. To be fair, they didn't know about it. Yeah. But still, like, a nun mysteriously winds up dead right after visiting you guys. And it's like, it could have been anybody, you know? Yeah, they were like, oh, our secluded mountain home. Who could have possibly hit this nun with a hammer and dumped her in the river? <laughs> I think Peter... That was mostly Peter Skarsgård. Yeah, Peter Skarsgård was not a good dad. Anyway, the the parents are Vera Farmiga and Peter Skarsgård. And they already have two kids. They have a cool deaf daughter named Max and a dick son named Danny. Um, to be fair, saying just dick and son like kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah, all Look, sons are terrible. He's like a pubescent straight boy, and it's like that's just a mess for everyone. Yes, um, he does have a beautiful treehouse. We've seen nothing but movies with cool treehouses recently. Are you talking about the Book of Henry? Yes, the only cool thing about that movie. Um, anyway, we where the mom almost murdered someone. That kind of that happened in this one too. <laughs> ah, yes, murders from mothers. Mm-hmm. Is that is that our charity? Yes. <laughs> um, anyway, we rate our movies out of five on scariness, campiness, FX, and quality. What was your scariness score? I'm very excited to hear this. I give it four. Awesome. You were into this movie. I was. Maybe more than any other movie we've watched for the podcast. I don't think so. There are some movies that I've really felt that we know were good. I liked uh-huh. Tool. Slither was right. fun. Slither is great. But th- this one you really... Responded to? Yeah, responded to. Um, That was probably because you really learned to like the family. Yeah. Even the unlikable characters, like the dad Which and is the like, son. Yeah, the, the men, you know? Yeah, Um, down with the patriarchy. You do learn to, like, dig them. Uh-huh. And so when anything around them is, like, happening, you worry for their well-being. You're right. And so that creates a sense of unease. Yeah, and this is very much a women's movie. Mm-hmm. It's women fighting women, essentially. Um, okay, we're gonna spoil this movie. I'm gonna do it. Are you ready? You had like ten years to watch it, so almost. Like what? Eight years? 
When did it come out? 2009. Eight years. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad your math skills are still as sharp as ever. It's been a while, okay? Like, when it's the nine is in the ones place, it gets a little tricky. Uh-huh. If it was 2010, I would have been able to tell you seven. Thank you. Okay. But uh, 2009, I think carry the one. No, yeah, it's so difficult. It's really Okay, hard. go ahead. Anyway, um, so Esther's all mysterious. Esther, whatever. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> Esther. Um, she's all mysterious. She has um ribbons around her wrists and around her neck and i was like if you pull them off is her head gonna fall off and then her hands are gonna fall off like in he the, did make that joke in the scary stories to tell in the dark spoilers for that i guess what the hell's that is it, oh my god hmm. you need to have grown up white you would understand what is scariest stories to tell in the dark it was like this illustrated children's book that was all the rage and there were spooky stories no okay well there's I saw a, goosebumps okay that, i read a couple of that those. works Anyway, there's a there's a girl <laughs> with a ribbon around her neck, and if she if you pull the ribbon off, her head falls off. Oh. And I, I was I was like, okay, okay. Um. Oh, that makes sense now. Why you said that joke, and I didn't think it was funny. Yep, you I'm need sorry. some context. That's okay. Um. Anyway, I actually, full disclosure, I knew the twist of this film coming in that she was gonna be like a little woman. <laughs> yeah, Louisa May Alcott wrote the script for yeah. this. <laughs> Um, yes, Esther turns out to be a, a, an a escapee from a, an Estonian insane asylum. She's actually like 33, but she has a rare disorder that makes her look like a little girl. You knew that entire twist before coming in? I knew she was an adult oh, okay. that looked like a little girl. Okay. I didn't know the Estonian part or All whatever. Right. But well, the, That's so detailed for you to have known. I know. Unfortunately, I'd been spoiled for this because I listened to podcasts like this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did not know what the ribbons were for so i was very interested that was my mystery mm-hmm. for the movie well like my first guess when i saw the ribbons was that it was like she tried to kill herself or someone tried to kill her oh because okay. of the location of where they were she was covering scars but it was from her like straight jacket yeah that's a good guess i, didn't, I don't think i even thought about that oh. um anyway so um this movie i give it three out of five screams um I was also into it. Uh-huh. It's definitely tense, and there are lots of really good moments, especially uh-huh. in the second act. Yep. Um, but I just kind of found a balance. I, I think it's a great slumber party movie. Yes. Like, it's tense, and it's thrilling, and it's like this really fun roller coaster. Uh-huh. I wouldn't say I was chilled by it. Okay. Um, but it was really fun know, and engaging. Evil. She was evil. She was evil. I was like... I know it's wrong to hate children for they are the Lord's creation, but this little girl <laughs> is the spawn of Satan. Yeah, she's um, she's great. She's one of the best evil little girls. And one of the things that really freaked me out about this movie, I guess, is just like how it was made. It was kind of like the inclusion of weird angles. Dutch angles? Were they Dutch angles? Um, No, but there were a lot of shots that looked like they could have been POV shots uh-huh. of Esther. Uh-huh. And you're like, what's she planning from that rooftop? You know? Yeah. Like you're constantly watching Vera Farmiga from all these weird angles that could be Esther or it's just the camera and you uh-huh. never really know. Yeah. And you just, you're constantly worried for her. It's like, oh no, what's she plotting? Yeah. It's, it's a very paranoid movie, mm-hmm. which is cool because this, is, this is actually brings me to the point I was trying to make is that this is a women's film and a lot of women in horror films are, um, no one believes them. They're like children in horror films. They're like, I saw a monster outside. And everyone's like, yeah, you're just a child. Uh-huh. But with um, women, it's like, oh, you're just hysterical. Like, Esther's not evil. You're crazy. You're crazy with grief. And you're an alcoholic. And we don't believe you. Mm-hmm. And Esther is gaslighting Vera Farmiga. 
It's For those of us who don't know what gaslighting is, do you mind explaining it yes. to us? It is a term that actually comes from the film Gaslight, which came out in like the 50s or the 60s, okay. but it's achieved popular use in the last like two years. I don't know how that happened. Um, Hipsters. I know. But it's basically um, the act of making someone else think they're insane. Mm-hmm. Like convincing someone else that they're mentally unsound mm-hmm. by manipulating them. Mm-hmm. And this movie is all about that happening to Vera Farmiga. And convincing the people around her that she she is insane Mm -hmm. like um esther the orphan while the little deaf girl is in the back seat of the car Uh she puts the car in neutral and just lets it slide down this hill and basically everyone thinks that that's because of vera formiga's negligence when it's clearly not Mm -hmm. and those scenes are the ones that like i was really engaged with and i found very gripping but i don't know if that just counted as scary for me i thought they were great Mm -hmm. but that's why i kind of balanced between three and four what do you mean you don't know if they count as scary for you? Uh, it's just a, it's just a different definition, I guess. Like I was tense and I was very invested in the outcome You're of the scene. You're feeling something, and it's like the movie's eliciting an, like an emotion from you. So I think it does count as scariness. I don't know. I it was an emotion. I just don't know if I was scared. You're right because this movie has very few jump scares in it. So uh-huh. I kind of was hesitant to give it a four, but the fact that. It had me on the edge of my seat and that I was so concerned for the well-being of these characters. Uh-huh. Like, if they would be harmed in any way, shape, or form, like, that to me is like, you know what, this movie is worthy of a four. Okay. No, you're, you're right. I'm just, I'm arguing semantics and it's pointless. Okay. You're arguing, like, movie semantics. Nah, I don't know. It, it was great. Okay. It provoked a reaction, okay. which is what it should do. Okay. That is fair. And that nightmare scene that opens the movie... Where she gives birth to like a baby made of blood. That scene makes my skin crawl. If only for Ugh. the sounds produced during Ooh, that scene. It's intense. Yeah, you just hear like all these weird kind of baby like vaginal sounds. Uh-huh. And just like weird. Uh, it's not good. Yeah. And Esther does some effed up crap. <laughs> like like? Um, she threatens the son with a box cutter. She finds the dad's gun. She threatens the son with the box cutter saying... Um, if you tell anyone what you saw, which was her disposing of some tools in his treehouse, I will cut off your hairless pecker before you even know what it's for. Yeah. It's like, that line is so good. Ooh, it's so dark. And, uh, la, 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 la. oh, she, she finds the dad's gun and she has puts one bullet in it and basically want, <laughs> asks the deaf girl if she wants to play Russian roulette. Mm-hmm. Just casually, it's so, she was really good. Isabel mm-hmm. Furman? I, I don't remember what her name was. Her name? Um, yeah, Isabel Furman. That's fun. Anyway, <laughs> this movie was pretty intense. It was really fun. It was a good Matt recommendation. So as fun and sorry, as scary as it is, let's go into how fun it was. Okay, Brennan, what nice. is your campaign score? Um, I think I'm going to give it two out of five perms. That's fair. That's what I gave it. Okay, cool. Is there a is there one thing that stood out to you as like a great campy moment? Um, not really great. I'm probably forgetting like off the tip of my tongue. Okay. I thought there were some campy accessories, such as like the useless grandma. Oh God, the grandma who's just she's you'd think that like she's the babysitter that they always call because uh-huh. what grandmas are, but she's just always happens to be there sitting on the couch when Vera Farmiga is there too, and it's like why are you here? Yep. And then there was the, like the the vending machine scene with grandma. She's oh like, God. "Your mother told me not to give you any treats or any sweets or whatever, 
but I'm not your mother, so here's a dollar. Go kill my grandson. Yeah, she lets Esther wander off in the hospital to go try to murder Danny, mm-hmm. and then she lets the deaf girl also wander down the hall of a hospital to find the ICU. It's like, why even have a babysitter grandma Yeah, if you're going to let them roam around killing, killing each other? Yeah, no, but she let... Not only does she let the girl who the mom explicitly said, don't move, mm-hmm. go run away, but she lets a little girl who cannot communicate with the 20 dozens of people in this hallway, <laughs> she has no way of talking to them or figuring out where the ICU is or how to get back to where she was if she gets lost. Mm-hmm. They can't communicate to her because she's deaf. Um, hopefully, Presumably someone knows sign language, but that would take a while. <laughs> For them to find that one individual. Yeah, and this grandma's like, go, have a great time. It's a hospital. <laughs> it's not a water park. <laughs> oh, Sorry. So grandma's a campy character. I guess she is. And also, I liked how they made the mom a wine mom. <laughs> yes. I know she was battling alcoholism, and that's a uh-huh. serious problem. You know, someone who comes from a long line of drinkers, you know. It's an issue that people deal with. Oh, do you want um, to explore that a little bit more? No, not right now. Okay. Um, but uh, I think we're really making a breakthrough on this episode. Thank you. Thank you, Margot Martindale, for this, <laughs> for this revelation. Um, no, but I just thought it was funny how they made the mother a wine mom. Uh-huh. I think fewer people died in this movie than I was expecting. It was just, what, what two people? Yeah, just um, the dad, uh, RIP, who cares, you were useless, and uh, the nun. But she, like, breaks a little girl's ankle, and I totally thought the grandma was toast. Yeah, when we saw her, yeah. we both were like, oh, grandma, you're... <laughs> You're not long for yeah. this world. And uh, Margot Martindale, the, psycholo- the, the psychiatrist, we thought was definitely going to be a goner. Yeah, I'm glad that they didn't kill her off, though. No, because she's a lovely woman. And she is. She's great. Um, anyway, my campiness, I gave it two out of five also. Um, there's a part where she dresses up in a, frankly, it is a sexy dress. Not on a nine-year-old girl, mm-hmm. but she like and puts on makeup and she puts her hair up and she tries to seduce a drunk Peter Sarsgaard. And I just thought she looked incredibly similar to Ariana Grande, <laughs> which is hilarious. Uh, it's more of a personal thing than it is a campy moment. It was campy. Say. And there's a part where Vera Farmiga just slaps a little girl in the face, and that's great. <laughs> okay, that is pretty funny. Um, um, oh, what? No, go ahead. My favorite moment of campiness, though, is not actually part of the movie proper. It It came with our DVD. Because, you know, DVDs um, start with a bunch of trailers. Like, there was a trailer for oh. <laughs> there's a trailer for The Hills Run Red and a trailer yeah. for The Box, which is a terrible movie. But there was also a commercial for orphanages <laughs> saying that, Est- like, Esther doesn't represent us. Come buy some children. <laughs> and it was the most hilarious kind of, like, desperate commercial. They were like, don't take this to heart. Our children will not murder you. <laughs> I thought that was very much needed. Um, some people are very a, impressionable. There Jaws was, ruined sharks for an entire generation. You're so right. So people need to be aware that our orphans need good homes. Yeah, but also the commercial, it started off with like, it's the Windows Movie Maker font that says like Esther. It was very cheap. Okay. No, it was literally Windows Movie Maker. I know that font. I used that. Uh, software all the time as a kid Mm -hmm. it's the windows movie maker default font and it says like in orphan this happens but that won't happen to you probably Mm -hmm. and then there's like black and white footage of kids with like in the arms of an angel playing practically (laughs) it's so good listen these are just kids who are looking for their forever homes so 
<laughs> and they probably won't hit you with the back end of it. I'm hammer. assuming that this is Joel Silver, like trying to apologize to the masses for creating any kind of negative publicity around them. I do appreciate because this kind of stuff doesn't really happen. There's no like shark coalition in the beginning of the Jaws DVD. Yeah. Like there aren't people fact checking my movies all the time. <laughs> anyway. I'm glad it tickled you pink. It was great. What's your effects score? My effects score, it's somewhere between a three and a four. Okay. Three and four, Little Orphan Annies. Okay. Um, I thought it was very sleek. Yes. It was very beautiful to watch. It was very well made. As I already mentioned, the cast is beautiful, so they're not, you know, half bad to look at. <laughs> no, they're not. Um, and it just it fits really well. Yes, it does. And that sleekness you're talking about, that comes from director Halme Colette Sarah, who directed House of Wax, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful movie mm-hmm. and really gross. And he also directed The Shallows, which came out last year and which was also great. Okay. So three for three with this guy. I think that's all he's done. Maybe he did one that I forgot. There's literally a computer right in front of you. (sighs) Look him up. Um, Another effect scene that I thought was really great. Um, Did you mention the bone crushing scenes? Oh my God, no, but I was going to. Okay, good. No, but do it. Um, Okay, there are two scenes where we see bones being broken. One is when uh, Esther throws a little girl off a slide and she twists her ankle in the process and you just hear that. And you, and you, you, I heard, I saw you jump at that scene, I think. Yeah, it was it was just so brutal. Uh huh. In an even grosser scene, which I know made you squeam, was um, Sque- what? <laughs> squeam is not a word, but it's I like a, it. It's not a word. No, squirm. Squirm. There you go. Thank <laughs> you. Um, squeamish. If you can be squeamish, can't you? No. Squeam. No. <laughs> <laughs> fine. I'm sorry. Uh, um, fine. Something that made you squirm was when she put. Like, you thought she was going to kill someone because she grabbed a long screwdriver. Yeah. Um, a screwdriver with a really long blade. It was so long. Also, that dad had the best tool shed in the world. He didn't seem like the most, you know, handy, handy father. So I don't know what he was doing with that set. But I think he was, he, was, he was kidding himself. He was um, like, one day I'll fix up this beautiful house we have. <laughs> I'll finally turn the basement into a game room. <laughs> okay. Um, so she grabs a screwdriver. She, You think you're gonna, she's going to kill someone with it because I think she's just off the nun. I mean, um, just like statistically, she's probably going to stab someone with that screwdriver. Uh-huh. But she just put, wraps it in a cloth, puts it in her mouth, and then you see her put her arm in like a vice grip. Yeah, like a in vice. a literal vice grip. Yeah. Or it's a vice. A clamp, a clamp. Um, and she just starts slowly turning it and turning it and turning it until she see the arm literally break inside just so she can give the impression that she comes from an abusive home. Uh, so and throw Vera, Vera Farmiga under the bus. God, so intense. That was awesome. So genius. Oh, oh, um, I looked up how my Colette Sarah and he's definitely directed other things. Good. He's directed a couple of Liam Neeson movies. He directed Unknown in 2011 and Nonstop in 2014. Oh, nonstop? Yeah, on the airplane one where there's texting or oh, whatever. That's what that one is. What? Sorry, I thought it was another Liam Neeson movie. I'm sorry. Is it a Liam Neeson yeah. movie? Yeah. Oh, okay. And he also directed Run All Night, which is also a Liam Neeson movie. <laughs> so they're best friends. Anyway, so action and horror this guy's doing. And I haven't seen any of his action movies. But the horror movies, A+. Plus. Good job on him. Um, but yeah, FX. Uh, I'm also between a three and a four because it's not super bloody but the stuff that's there is intense Uh and there's a part where she crushes a bird with a rock and it just explodes 
Well, it was a pretty big rock and it's a pretty soft bird. Oh, you're right. You know, those birds have the bird bones that break. You're right. I think I'm going to land on a three, but it was intense. It's, it's a fun movie. Uh-huh. Okay. I respect that. Yeah. Again, I'm hovering somewhere between a three and a four. And uh-huh. I, I just, guess I would lean more on a three just because it wasn't super effects heavy. Uh-huh. But what's there is good. Yeah. That makes it great. <laughs> yeah, no, that's um, sure. I'll explain my reasoning once we hit quality. So, Which Brennan, we can do right now. What's your quality score? Oh, okay. I gave it four out of five unlucky stars. Good. That's what I gave it. Awesome. Oh, man. We agree on, I think, everything except for scariness. Okay. Um, like I said earlier, it's the perfect slumber party movie to put on. You don't super have to pay attention if you don't want to, mm-hmm. but there is a solid family drama going on mm-hmm. around all of the spookiness. Yeah. Like one thing that I thought was kind of maybe a little much was just how much they crammed in the first 30 minutes of uh, like exposition. Uh, uh-huh. Like we found out that the mother had an alcohol problem and that she was responsible for something that involved uh, a lakes or a pond that yeah. frozen over in their house. Like she, she drunkenly passed out and her youngest daughter almost died, uh-huh. almost drowned in the pond. Yeah. And that wasn't really like uh, really revealed until I think like an hour in the movie probably. Yeah. It was like implied for a long time, uh-huh. but specific, maybe an hour 15. Yeah. This movie's two hours long. Because I assumed that it was either that something with the little girl was involved. Maybe the little girl pushed the baby in there. Yeah. Because at that point, I don't know if we had known for certain that like she'd had a stillborn child in there. We we did know that. Oh, okay. Um, I know we found that. Like, I found that out for certain once uh, Esther started reading her diary. Oh, God. Um, her very thorough diary that describes where she hides the wine. Like, I guess, <laughs> in case she forgets later. Listen, she was a Yale professor, so she's nothing if not thorough. Oh, my God. That actually, can I take a tangent? Go ahead. Please. Um, there is a movie called A Night to Dismember. It's a terrible slasher movie from 1983. It's a very terrible title. It's an awesome title. But uh, basically, um, Doris Wishman, who's like this famous, like, softcore director Mm -hmm. um she shot this slasher movie but like half the footage got destroyed by a disgruntled film developer employee Mm -hmm. um so basically she had to smooth everything over with this uh like voiceover monologue by this detective guy describing every single character's actions and what they do in the whole movie and then at the end he's like you want to know how i knew all this they all kept diaries. <laughs> <laughs> and it just kind of reminded me of that. It's so thorough. So all the characters kept diaries? Yeah, they were like, and here's how I murdered this person. And then they murdered me. <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyway, sorry. That just reminded me of that a little okay. bit. It was just so detailed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think going off of that tangent, it was so detailed. Um, this movie has quite a few, I, I would say, unnecessary plot points. Like what? Um, well, like the fact that the little girl fell in the pond, like we really didn't need that. Well, I'll, uh, I guess it sets up, you know, I guess it's like a Chekhovian gun or whatever, where the pond is ultimately what kills someone at the end. Uh-huh. The little girl overcame her fear to <laughs> literally shoot a gun at Esther and yeah. then like be blown back into the snow, which I thought was funny. That was cool. Um, no, but I, I think all that exposition served to show the history of Vera Farmiga's character okay. and why people would be set up not to believe her. Okay. Or why they would set okay, up... Okay, that's that's fair. They'd set up to distrust her as a that's mother. Because I was willing to say that um, at some point, I feel like you will believe an adult over a child, regardless of what their history is. Uh-huh. Um, um, but she, she has a history of a mental instability. Okay. In terms of parenting. Okay. 
Which they really drive home. Oh, something that I wanted to say was that I felt like this movie didn't have minor flaws. Okay. But overwhelmingly, like, the chemistry between the cast and um, so-and-so, whatever, I'm done. Okay. Um, it's a great pulp movie that I, like, the kind that I wish I'd seen when it came out when I was in ninth grade or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because this reminds, there's a lot of fun horror stuff coming out in the mid to late 2000s that no one really talks about because it's for teenagers. Um, but like, I remember having a slumber party where we watched Teeth, that movie with the girl who has like teeth in her vagina. You guys watch that? I actually did not stay the whole time because I had to go, but, um, and it wasn't a slumber party. It was for the others. <laughs> <laughs> did um, you like wet yourself? What happened? No, it was a, it was a boy girl party, but only the girls slept over. Oh, Okay. Anyway, but just stuff like that. That sounds so like Orange County risque. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever. Um, anyway, that's that's this movie. Okay. We both really enjoyed it. I dare mm-hmm. say it was. Matt was right. It yeah. was good. It was fun to watch Sergio watch this movie. You got really into it. Thank you. You're welcome. It's not every day that I enjoy one of these movies. That I we're know. Watching. I'm trying to make that more enjoyable, and it really worked this time. Um, uh, I don't think that's your fault, though. I think we just watch a lot of more. Older movies. older films that are harder for me to relate to because I've seen, you know, I don't know what's recent that's good. The Conjuring, you know. Yeah. Annabelle. Okay. Well, These aren't great movies, but, I mean, they're produced and they have recent actors, and that's far more interesting for me, who is a child with a short attention span and can't really care about Linda Blair and The Exorcist. Really? You don't like The Exorcist? No, I love it, but I can't really care. Oh, so you're just heartless. I'm heartless. Okay. Um, anyway, I'm going to tell you what we're watching next week. But first, here's how to contact us. If you have opinions about Orphan, as we certainly do, you can tweet us about them at on Twitter at Scream101Pod. You can find us on Facebook at Scream101Podcast. You can email us at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Please review us. We would love to hear from anyone who likes this show or maybe even doesn't like this show. If you just listen consistently, we'd yeah, love to hear from um, you. Fun fact, something that Brandon is deciding to offer randomly right now is a free Cubs hat if you leave a review. Um. I, I I did not sign off on this, um, but that that we're trying Color to narrow bluff. cast. Color bluff. Yeah, we're narrow casting. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, next week. Shots fired. Okay. Well, actually, our theme song is "A Beat for You" by Pseudo Echo, and next week we will be continuing our revisiting by revisiting a film we watched in our African American Directors Month. We watched Tales from the Crypt: Demon Knight. We're going to be watching the second Tales from the Crypt production, Bordello of Blood. So I like the title on this one. It does have a good title. Good alliteration always makes me happy. It does. But I it's another vampire movie. (laughs) We've watched so many vampire movies this year. This one isn't one right now, so You're right. I'm happy. I'm glad Esther was not a vampire. Um anyway, Bordello of Blood. I'm pretty excited because I fell in love with the Crypt Keeper and I'm ready for his second uh feature film. Okay. Yeah. Uh anyway, thank you so much for listening. And good luck on your journey. And stay gold, everybody. Bye. I'm excited for Botello of Blood. Yay. I should have said that earlier, but I was just like, eh. Okay. I'm hungry. Me too. Do you want some crackers? Sure. Okay. Bye. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart.
Hi, I'm Brennan. And I'm Dave. And we are the co-hosts of Cast Party. It's a freewheeling pop culture conversation. I am an online media mogul. And I'm not. I'm a drama teacher. Yes. He, in fact, my drama teacher. We kind of transplant the conversations that we have every time we hang out into a podcast, and we hope you like it. Check it out. Enjoy. At podpeople.me. That was, that was really fun and not awkward at all. <laughs> Bye.